clubhouse. You want to build subdivisions? Move to Dallas. I won't have them here. That's right, nothing happens in this valley I don't know about. Call progress, John. Progress doesn't need your permission. Yeah, in this valley it does. This is Sheila. And welcome to Pod Clubhouse, our coverage of Yellowstone. This is season one. We are covering episode one called Daybreak today. And we are so excited to be talking about Yellowstone. Yeah. So we're going back in time. So this is 2020, but we're talking about season one. We're such fans of the show that we wanted to go back and cover it because this platform really didn't exist in 2018 for this in-depth coverage of shows. So we're going to cover the show as if we've never seen it before. We're both huge fans. Yes. Big fans. So we have season three out on Pod Clubhouse right now that you can listen to if you're all caught up with Yellowstone. But if you're not, then just stay tuned. Yeah, we're going to talk about these episodes as if we don't know what's happening. So we are not going to give you spoilers for the next episode. So fear not, you're not going to get any spoilers and ruin your next episode for you. We would never want to ruin this for anyone because this is such a great show. So just overall, Yellowstone is about the Duttons. They are a huge ranch in Montana that is neighbors with an Indian reservation. And a big national park. (laughs) Yeah, national park. It's a dad, John Dutton, his kids. We met Lee, the oldest brother. Then we met Jamie, the lawyer. Beth, the daughter. Like high-powered banker. Then Casey, the, I would call him like the prodigal son. Like he seems gone. I don't know where he went. Seems like he was in a war, perhaps like Afghanistan, based on the timelines. And he's got some war medals in his house. I'm not sure which branch the military he was in yet but he was definitely i'd say like special forces yeah yeah don't have a mom Um, no haven't seen seen mom mom yet and i think that's it there's a lot of ranch hands there's a lot of horses (laughs) some cows a lot of branding i saw some buffalo I love the scenery. This show is so beautiful, too. Yeah, the cinematography is really spectacular in this show. Like, it, it, And they do spend some time really showing you how beautiful Montana is. So it's shot on location in Montana and Utah. So they mm-hmm. do a lot of a lot of pullback scenes so that you can see the scenery and like literally like the big sky of Montana. So I've actually been out that way. I've been to Yellowstone National Park and Montana and Wyoming. So I, I have, I'll, I'll be dropping in little, yeah. little anecdotes as they pop up you know because buffalo like the buffalo that were in the scene were like the buffalo are scary i'm gonna tell you that right now like i've been close next to buffalo and they are they are scary they're huge they're fast they go from like zero to 30 miles an hour fast they They are fast fast. (laughs) they don't look fast but they they can go fast and when we got out to yellowstone my husband and i we rented a car and they were they told us they said uh take out the the damage liability Uh, they said because buffalo is the number one uh damage to rental cars in this neck of the woods wow so yeah so we did that at least you didn't get any damage. Nope, no damage. Okay, so the Dutton Ranch seems to be having some major problems with the Indian Reservation. Yeah. So originally it was the Broken Rock tribe. It was originally their land, and they, they want it back. <laughs> and there's the rub. <laughs> so we meet Rainwater Chief Thomas Rainwater. 
I like this guy. He's new here in Montana, so he's, I think he's got big ideas, big plans. I like, though, that he's, like, kind of feisty. Like, he's like, I want to take their money at the casino, and I want to buy their land back with their own money. I was like, dang. <laughs> yeah, he's very shrewd, I think. I, I think he's very smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get the, we get the feeling that he's very polished. Yes. He has a tragic backstory I know. that we learn in this episode. He was adopted. He didn't know that he was Native American until he was 18 years old. He was raised Mexican. His adopted parents thought that that would be better for him because he wouldn't experience the same kind of racism. So this show goes a lot into Native American issues, and it's meant to make you feel uncomfortable. The show does a really good job bringing this off, like, right off the bat. There was a few instances this episode where it was uncomfortable. Uh, Felix talking to Casey later on in the episode about we're not your people. You'll be judged by your father's actions. So there's there's a lot of the irony of the Duttons existing on land that's technically not theirs. Yeah. Um, so I liked where the show is bringing us. It, it, it's an updated Western, basically. This yeah. is this is a cowboy and Indian story, you know, not exactly. to be, you know, not politically correct, but it really is. And it, this is the, the modern day spin on it. And they're being very socially conscious and bringing up the Native American issues from the point of the Native American tribe which is very interesting because I don't think we've seen a lot of this elsewhere. Not that I know, but I don't watch a lot of cowboy shows. (laughs) Same. I'm not really one for Westerns in general, but there's something about this show that just, it it hooks you immediately. And I think that this was a really excellent way to introduce someone to to Yellowstone. Like, if you weren't a fan by the end of this two-hour episode, I don't know. I don't know what kind of taste it shows (laughs) is. Although if you're streaming this on Peacock right now, it's only an hour and a half. It's much more palatable. Right. (laughs) Without the commercials. So my husband has become a Yellowstone fan. So through season three and sort of listening through the door of us recording this, he's been intrigued by the show and he never watched it before. So when I sat down to rewatch season one, which I really haven't seen in like over a year, like I in prepping for season three, which we just did, I kind of like watched just like the last two episodes of season one to bring me back to season two. Right. <laughs> you know, I just kind of did yeah. the Cliff Notes version. So he was interested. So he sat down and he's asking me a ton of questions. So we've been watching season one. Good. And so now he's hooked on it. So it makes it a little easier because it's like, hey, I got to watch Yellowstone. Got to take some notes. Yeah. Like, oh, good. Okay, I want to watch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we were Yellowstone fans before I was podcasting about it. So I haven't seen episode one since June June of like 2018 or whatever. Yeah, I think we binged watched it. I don't think we caught it live like when it like when the series premiered. Mm -hmm. So I think we heard about it after the fact and then we actually bought it on Amazon. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Yeah, so we watched it together and then now we are both big fans. So I'm excited. Okay, so our Indian reservation. We got rainwater. I'd like. He has a senator on his side. Yes. So we met a senator that he is working with, and we met the governor. So the governor's kind of on the Dutton side. Yeah, we met the governor of Montana. She seems to be. Yeah, uh, she's sort of. She's kind of got a conflict of interest going on yeah, there. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We saw Jamie sort of defending the ranch a little bit in this hearing, and she seemed to kind of glaze over the issue and. And side with the Duttons pretty right. easily. So it'll be interesting to see like what she's got going on there. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, later on too, we see her at the cattle auction and she's very familiar with the Duttons. We'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's enemy number one is each other, you know, mm-hmm. and then enemy number two is this Dan Jenkins guy. Who... I don't like him. He's slimy. Yeah. 
he's he's definitely a transplant. In case he talks about transplants, yeah, he's there to make money and only to make money. But when he had a conversation with John Dutton later in the episode, they seemed like they knew each other previously. Like, what did did you pick up on that, or have any like? thoughts about that they definitely have had some interaction before because okay. this was not and we don't see it so we don't know what the previous interaction was i mean so they know who each other are yeah so point. like okay. the cold open of the show is like you know john in the the car wreck and the poor horse yeah what the notice i said the poor horse not the poor dead truck right? operator <laughs> why do we not care about the... i felt the same way and then i was like why do i not care about the truck driver yeah but well, the because horse was you know, like he, suffering. I was like, Ugh. yeah, but you can also tell that, like, you know, John loves his horse, and he's like, you know, he's saying that I can give you peace. It was just a very Aww, moving sad. moment to, you know, the blood is streaming down his face. Ew. But John sees that the truck driver, you know, was registered. To, the truck was registered to Paradise Valley, which is Dan Jenkins's. Yeah, like a resort. Company, yeah, development, so. and yeah. So this was not the first. So the first interaction we see with them is not their first interaction because you know okay. John's like, "You owe me a horse," you know, and he has lots of choice words for Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I didn't think that that was their first meeting, but this is sort of we're getting a a glimpse into Dan Jenkins as like this land developer. He wants to build this like I wouldn't call it master plan community. He called it a he called it like a self like sustainable community because he wants to build a power plant. He wants to use the lumber from cutting down the forest to build the houses. He wants to like use the river to create power. Like he wants this to sort of all work together. He's not there just to build a house. Like he wants, he wants it all. It's like a city. Like that's what Beth said. Like she just sums up. Yeah. They're building a city. Yeah. He wants to build like this huge thing. So <laughs> I guess there's already a, a golf course there because that's what Dan was playing golf. Yeah, it was it was already established. Yeah, <laughs> that was definitely there. I just yeah. love the fact that they could be seen from the Dutton's corral. Yes. It's like how much time are they get a rancher is going to spend in their corral a ton, and he can just see it from from there. Yeah. John looks through the binoculars and sees Dan. He's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I hate that guy. <laughs> So for not a comedy show, it's definitely not, you know, full drama. There were some really funny comedic moments in here. That was one of them when he spots Dan and rides off on his horse. And then the (laughs) other one was when the governor's talking to John about Jamie perhaps getting into politics. And and John says, well, he is in politics and there's a constituency of one, meaning him. And it's just, that's like, that's like what the show needs in order to like, you know, break up the drama. So there's these little... And then there was Tate. You know, we'll talk about Tate, but he was just like a scene stealer, this this uh, opening show. I know. He's so cute. Yeah. So I get the feeling that Dan is from California. He, he met, yeah. He's definitely not from Montana, which we've established. And when he's talking to the bankers at one point, when he's talking about, like, damming the river, he goes, you know, this is Montana, not California. And like, ha, 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 ha. Um, so like, it was a very, like, disparaging comment against montana but also kind of a slight at california i get the feeling he's from there yeah which would kind of make sense why he's trying to do this like sustainable community as well like that he sort of sees that big picture right so later on he's having a reception and he's got all these plans to dam the river and you know sort of his neighbors be damned kind of thing because he's already wants to piss off john in the worst (laughs) way possible but he knows exactly here he he hears these big booms go off and he knows exactly what's going on he goes oh no yeah. I mean, he's, he comes off as a smart guy. Yeah, I don't think that he's he's dumb by any stretch of the imagination, but he's also somewhat like John. I think that he's got an ego problem, 
And I think the ego is going to be something that gets in his way. Like, I feel like they're both of them are out to prove each other wrong and, and, you know, show the other one up. But I just feel that Dan's the way that he's approached things so far that he's just he strikes me as somebody who's going to have a problem seeing past his own ego kind of thing. Because he's even provoking John. He's like he says to John that he thinks it's his, it's his ego that's getting in the way of progress and you know that it chaps his ass that people don't know him in the grocery store there's just like these little funny <laughs> lines it's just like oh my god like you were so high school guys <laughs> but yeah but dance he's smart he goes i want you to what's the or else so this way you know we can use that in court yeah john doesn't strike me as the court kind of guy i mean uh, don't get me wrong john owns suits i know he owns suits <laughs> but uh i just don't see john being somebody that uh kind of deals with the court system too often right just because of all the business that went down at the cattle auction yeah you know he's just able to he's able to get everything he needs done right at the cattle auction <laughs> right and then like everyone's kind of coming up to him yeah so he's holding court there. So, yeah, well, he is the livestock commissioner, which it seems to come with a lot of power. In Montana, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't think in New York, where I am, I don't think the livestock commissioner would hold. <gasps> right. <sighs> like, Somewhere what does he do around York, maybe, but... I don't know, beach inspector. <laughs> well, even didn't they say that? Like, he walk, whenever there there's like this dispute over cattle, which we'll discuss in a minute, but he like walks up and he was like, I don't think this concern you, concerns you. And he's like, well, that's livestock, isn't it? So yeah. <laughs> he's like inserting himself where he wants to be. Like, Yeah, he's definitely blurring the lines between his official capacity and mm-hmm. his professional or personal capacity. Yeah, because, like, Lee, his son, is on the commission with them. I think he's a livestock agent or, like, you know, like, special agent in charge or something like that. But, de- <laughs> but John is definitely the commissioner, but Lee is, like, his, his right hand. Yeah. At, at both the ranch and with the livestock commission. Yeah, seems to be quite the convenient arrangement. I would say nepotism. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So John seems to have like a lot of resources just within his own family, right? Yeah. Like he's got the lawyer, he's got Jamie, he's got Lee, who's basically like owner operator in training. And then Beth just seems to be the cutthroat for everything. Like she, you know, she figures out she, you know, after she ditches Ted in the bar, she sits down with the bankers who just met with Dan and she gets like the lowdown on what they're planning to do. So she's shrewd. And yeah. she's very smart. And just the way that they portray her in this episode is she's spitting venom. Yeah, she's mean. Left, right, and center. She's mean. She's very mean. But she's, she's mean to her brother. She's mean to everybody. Yeah. Except Casey. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like she's, you know, that's the favorite. He's also the baby of the family. So, you know, yeah. there's always that. But yeah, so she's, she's spewing vitriol at just at everybody. Except John. John's the other one, too. She's, she's yeah, kind of she's- respectful of him. But yeah, Beth is someone that I, I feel like you're definitely going to like love to hate. <laughs> right? I love a good villain. Yeah, and like get out of her way. Okay, so yeah, I want to talk about Casey okay. and Monica. Yes. Because this is also like very mirrored to what's going on with like John and Rainwater. We oh, absolutely. Have, like, yeah. That's we have Casey, whose family is the Duttons, married to Monica, whose family is the Indian Reservation. Yes. So this has got to be like really hard to live through because while well, he's living on the reservation with Monica there. Right. I mean, like we said, he's been, he seems like he's been gone. He doesn't seem to want anything to do with his dad, really. Like he said at one point, you know, well, he told me to leave. Right. You know, so there was something that went down like with these dad and son so casey travels back to the ranch later on with tate from the greeting that he got and some of the the exchanges casey hasn't seen them in years 
Yeah. Do you get the sense that Monica has even met John from the exchanges that her and Casey have? I mean, maybe with like passing because Casey said, tells John like, well, you do know him. He's like, no, I've met him. So maybe they've met. But she definitely has an unfavorable opinion of him. Oh, yeah. I was just wondering like if you thought that was like firsthand knowledge of hers or if that was more the effects of sort of Casey's falling out with him. I don't think she's had any or very few interactions with John. Yeah, I, I basically had the same feeling. I just wasn't sure what your take was on it. Yeah. So they have Tate, who's like the cutest little boy ever. He's really, really cute. <laughs> and he's just full of sass. Like every I time know. you see him, like he's just... I love him. He was like, Dad, look, I'm a... He was like, I'm bucking or something. Yeah. He's, on the he's like running around in the Holding arena. up a rifle so like cute. he's fine. <laughs> And he seems a little feisty, too. I like that. Oh, absolutely. When he meets his uncles. Yeah. <laughs> just throws a fish throws at him. Throws fish at Lee and calls him a little effort. <laughs> that was funny. I liked how they laughed. They're like, that was funny. Yeah, yeah. So then we meet Monica's family, too, who I wouldn't say that they really like Casey all that much. Yeah, there was definitely some coldness between Monica's brother, Robert, and yeah. Casey. Because, you know, Monica comments that, you know, oh he actually talked to you. Yeah, there's not a lot of acceptance, I feel, for Casey living on the reservation. You can even see it, like, when he's driving on, people are looking at him. Yeah. And... He's like the outsider. Yeah, and I, I feel bad for Casey because he's kind of, like, in no man's land. Like, yeah. he's not comfortable with his family. You can tell, like, even just when he's sitting with his brothers, like, he's getting really annoyed by all the razzing, and I'm sure being the youngest of four, it gets a little annoying. And, (laughs) no, just in terms of him living then on the reservation, he's, not only is he a white man, he's a Dutton. Right. Strike two. Yeah, strike two. So he doesn't have a lot of wiggle room for much else. And this is going to sound kind of harsh. Like, I really don't know what he's bringing to the reservation to sort of help the community. You know, he has some horse skills. Great. He can wrangle cattle. Like, Monica's a teacher. So, like, you know, she's obviously bringing a lot to to the plate, to the community. (laughs) And she said that she makes more money than him anyway. (laughs) As a married couple, it's like, just don't throw that in his face. Also, like, side note, I love the scene where she, like, comes out of the bathroom in her underwear. Yeah. And she's like, so we need a new dishwasher. And, like, she's already bought it. Right. And then he's like, you only asked me for stuff in your underwear. I'm like, that's because she's a smart person. Exactly. I only ask for things I need in my underwear, too. He was like, when you've been married long enough, you you know which buttons to push to get what what doors you need to have opened. (laughs) She's like, oh, by the way, I already bought it. She's like, the underwear so that you'll go get it. I was like, oh, that's so funny and like so something I would do. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, you know, and that's what makes these people relatable. Like, so the, the interaction between Monica and Casey in the early part of the episode is just goals, yeah. like, right? I like relationship it. goals. <laughs> yeah, like and, the dynamic between them, like, they're just so easy together. And like, this is the only time that really Casey's kind of like at ease. Yeah. You know, he's got his hackles up for the rest of the episode. Like, any time that he's talking to anybody else, he's very guarded. He's on edge, yeah. Yeah, one-word answers. He's very, very curt. But with Monica, he's softer, which is which is great, because you, you need that balance. And I like how she's like, well, we could just have another baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she's also endorsing the fact that, like, John should notate. And I think that that's a really... Yeah, I was surprised to... 
to hear her say yeah, that. Yeah, but I mean, that's also something that a mature person emotionally would yeah. would bring to the table because Casey is still thinking with his heart and not his head yet. You know, he's still yeah. just reacting emotionally. There is a bit of oil and water between these two. So the fact that she's like, well, you know, he, he should. He should know his grandson. Yeah. Um, well, Casey wouldn't have done that without her saying it was okay, for sure. So, yeah. So, I mean, good for her for, you know, being his sounding board and, and giving him the good advice that he needs. So that brings us to John and Tate. Like, we saw them a little bit together. That, that was a really sweet scene where they, like, went horseback riding together with the brothers and the uncles and... It was really nice. John has a good way with kids. Like, he doesn't have a good way with his kids in this episode. (laughs) Right? Just the interaction between him and Casey and him and Lee. And those are two separate, obviously, dynamics. But he's definitely better with Tate than he is with his own kids. You know, he walks up to Tate and he doesn't, like, try to, like, sugarcoat anything. He's just like, hey, can you ride a horse? He's like, of course I can. I'm Indian. (laughs) So I just, you know, and good for Breck and Merrill, the actor. He's, like eight for holding his own against kevin costner right in a scene like this oscar winning actor director you know this storied legend field of dreams dances with wolves yeah you know he's able to steal the scene away from kevin costner i know it's so cute (laughs) i loved it and also too like during that whole like fishing scene i i'm like just not a cowgirl even though i live in texas i was like you can fish on top of a horse you know i give these guys major props if they could do that because like it's hard enough to sit on a horse (laughs) and like balance and now the horse is in water so you know that there's rocks and it's uneven and they're fishing which is already a different level of balance you know and i thought it was cool that jamie like he caught the the fish on the hook and he gave it to tate to reel it in yeah that's gonna be a memory that tate has forever you know so I just thought that was really good. But I also like the fact that John's motivations for, like, how we saw him deal with his kids differently, I feel it was based on Tate. Like, so yeah. he, he was missing something with Tate, right? So he didn't see Tate very often. At one point in the episode, we see John, it's late at night, he's by the fireplace, and he's, like, whittling Tate's name into a piece of wood. It looks like a rifle handle to me. I, I, would, I really oh. couldn't see what it was. So he's got his son's names whittled into the wood. And then he's etching in Tate's name. This, to me, it feels like where John's emotional standpoint is right now. So I feel like there's a little bit of loneliness there. Yeah. There, there's a need to, to know his grandson. You know, I guess John feels like he's getting up in years. I, I'm completely hypothesizing. Yeah. Um, that he's getting up in years and he doesn't have this relationship with his grandson. I mean, how your parents are with your kids. But I say to my mom a lot. That you are a completely different mother than you are grandmother. Because yeah. the grandmother is like, oh, honey, what do you want for dinner? Meanwhile, we yeah, have dinner you cooked. Want. What do you want? And be like, mm-hmm. I'm, so- I'm sorry. I was told that I had to eat what was cooked when I was a kid. <laughs> it's like, honey, do you want your grilled cheese cut into stars or hearts? I'm like, who are you? <laughs> so, you that's know, maybe true. that's his motivation, like to be a little bit different. I feel that his kids did not get this level of like emotional interaction i don't think so (laughs) there's there's this definite like pull in john and then he's he spends a lot of this episode now coaching his children um he's coaching jamie at one point about the difference between being a lawyer versus a landowner and to know the difference when to be which and then he's also somewhat annoyed at lee did you did you pick up on this yeah well he's really hard on jamie 
Yes. He's really hard on Lee. Yeah. And then he was, like, at some point, not correcting Casey, but, like, telling him, like, well, let me give you some advice. So it's like he's... Yeah. He's kind of hard on everybody. You know, I guess it comes with the territory. Like, I guess you can't really survive a, a yeah. ranch the size of Rhode Island if you're not a hard person. <laughs> but, you know, there's there's going to be some damage to your kids. <laughs> Right. If, if you're that hard all the time. I thought it was funny when you told Jamie that he said you have your mother's hands. I was like, what? Yeah. Like, I don't think that guys want to hear that. And I don't think that that's meant to be a compliment in any <laughs> right. way, I don't think. Form. No, I don't think he was complimenting him either. And Jamie feels it because at the very end of the episode, he's saying to Beth, and why he would say this to Beth after what she already put him through earlier in the episode that he never looked at me the way he looked at Lee. And yeah. she's like, oh, he never will. So she's already been spewing venom at you for having your coffee at 9.30 in the morning. <laughs> Haven't seen you in a couple of years, whatever. It just doesn't make sense like why he would do that in front of her at that moment in time. Or maybe he just said it out loud to the air and didn't realize she was there. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll go to Beth next. What do you think? Like we just said, she's like this wildfire, like villainous sort of feisty daughter. She's fun to watch oh yeah oh. oh my gosh like the scene in the bar with the guy who was like trying to hit on her was like the best <laughs> this poor guy <laughs> like oh my god like that was awesome i actually really liked when she dressed down the ceo of uh, il yes. energy this is where we met her dang girl she was harsh props to kelly riley she's british have you yeah. seen interviews with her? Yeah. So for her to pull off that accent with just how fast she was spitting out just the facts and the data that yeah. how she was going to take over his company and basically eat it up bite by bite and make him look like a fool. When he just whispered bitch under his breath and she was just like, <laughs> just the look on her face, she stopped, she turned. So she's somebody that is going to be just fun to watch because she's unpredictable. Yeah. She's smart. She's definitely seeing the lay of the land. Like, she knew where to be to meet those bankers. Yeah. She does not have a filter, so that No, she doesn't have a filter, yeah. which is going to be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. um, I did feel bad with her, the scene with her and Rip, though. Yeah, she was so mean. She was so mean to him. And he's, like, looking at her like a little smitten kitten. He's got, like, puppy oh, dog eyes. I, I mean, not for anything. I mean, she undid her robe and she was naked underneath, like... <laughs> Well, she, like she he's like what are you doing <laughs> like uh, you know <laughs> like she that was not an accident like that's what she wanted to happen yeah she knew what she was doing for sure oh, for sure but she was so yeah. mean she called him a stray dog afraid of the broom <laughs> I know. Like, that's terrible and then she insulted the size of his package i'm like oh my gosh she's so mean they have history so she says it yeah. you know, must have been nostalgic like i remembered your dick being bigger or whatever <laughs> Yeah, so there's obviously some history there. So Rip's been around the ranch for a while because it, I get the feeling that Beth hasn't been back either. Yeah. In a while. This guy made me laugh. Like, Rip, like, just the way he talked to Jimmy, he was like, shut the fuck up. Like, stop staring at the fit. Like, he was making me laugh and just his little, like, feisty, like, badass attitude. He went from, like, psycho to dedicated henchman to, like, smitten boyfriend. <laughs> Yeah. Like, so seamlessly. So, he was fun to watch this episode. I mean, he, he was like a fucking psycho with Jimmy. I know. Uh, it's like, good God. He yeah. Like tased him. I'm tased like, like, to walk and tase him. Branded him. Well, yeah, okay. what the Okay, hell? okay, we gotta talk about the brand. Branding cattle, that's a thing. You know, yeah. You put your brand, this way people know it's it's your cattle. Other than football players, like, with their, like, 
branded tattoos of their different things. I've really not seen branding on humans. No. Like, I've seen, like, football players and they have, like, you know, the Colts emblem, like, branded onto their arm if they're part of the Colts. Hope they God do? they're not traded okay. to, like, you know, the Eagles or something like that. Right? I don't know. <laughs> Wait, we're supposed to be paying attention during the football game? Oh, sorry. Yeah. But I'm like, <laughs> there's a brand on that dude's arm. But to brand a cowboy? I, I've, I've not seen seen that before not familiar with that practice it seems kind of barbaric just watching the whole thing with jimmy i mean he had the same reaction i was i was like what the fuck like don't do that no stop 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 like oh my god i'm like oh my god (laughs) don't scream like uh no you would just yeah i'd be screaming that's like like the little girl that i am (laughs) right i guess we're just not man enough to do that so Rip has the brand, so he shows Jimmy that he's got this big Y on his chest. Yeah. And it's it's well healed, so he's had it a while. And so, yeah, you get the feeling that Rip has been around the ranch for a while because obviously him and Beth have history, and he's got a brand that's definitely part of his skin. And it's skin colored, not pink, so it's it's yeah. old. And then Casey has the brand as well. We see that right at the end, right? Yeah. Which... Like, is this like a frat, like, where you got, like, haze uh. and then, you know... You pass a certain level and I don't a know. certain level. <laughs> I d- no. I hope I, I'm mixing my frat and my video games. <laughs> <laughs> you have reached level five. Yeah, I don't know. I think that that's. It was just like really messed up to see, and then you're like just taken aback, like it's shocking. And then even more when you realize that other people have this brand. So yeah, like it's implying that like these people are John's property. Or, like he says, I forget what Rip said, but he says, he's telling Jimmy it's basically like a protection, right? So, I don't know, maybe it's just like a way to know that you're taken care of. There's far less painful ways. Like, you should get a tattoo, right? right? A tattoo. Depending on where you get a tattoo, it could be pretty painful, right? Probably not that painful. I hear the inside of your arm is pretty painful. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I hear your ankles are pretty painful. But just in terms of how... The brand is portrayed, so it's like right over their heart. So it, I don't know. It's just a very, it's a very odd thing to to show. I mean, it's it's obviously showing that you're loyal. It's showing that you are part of something, obviously that's bigger than you. But just in terms of what Jimmy then was later made to do, it, and he calls Rip out. And he's like, "This was supposed to keep me out of trouble." Yeah, having you know having this brand being a part of this ranch, and, and Rip's like, "Well, the difference is now you're not going to get caught." <laughs> Yeah. Which is just such a sinister line. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm not really sure where the brand fits in, but I'm just curious because at the the cattle auction, Jimmy's grandfather, you know, pleads with John and and John's really just not wanting to give this man like the time of day. But John agrees to take Jimmy on to get him out of trouble. But he says, we're going to do this my way. So like, didn't it seem like then the grandfather knew what that meant? I don't know if he knew. Well, he's obviously very respectful of John and his, yeah. his ways and methods. But I feel like people don't know. Right. The way, like John Dutton's like, I'm doing air quotes, like his way is branding a human being as, as my property. I agree. But then the, the way the grandfather just seemed to say, like, I need you to, like, protect him. I need you... And then John saying, I'll do it my way. And they like, great. I, it just sort of seemed like maybe he had an idea. I, I didn't think of it like that in terms of like needing protection. And then Rip says like it's a form of protection. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he has an idea. I don't know. That's weird. But think. you know, 
props to Rip. He was not an asshole. He gave him the burn cream. <laughs> he tossed it like on the couch after him. You know, so there's uh there's like that. you start Monday morning, I'm like, wait, is that a job interview? Like is that I don't want a job interview there. I'm not gonna go on any job interviews in Montana. That's no that's gonna be a hard and fast rule for the rest of my life. <laughs> I don't know how they do things out there. Dan, Dan Jenkins already said this is Montana, not California. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. <laughs> I like this Rip guy. Yeah, Rip is def. There's definitely something there. There's like I said, there, he went between psycho to dedicated henchman very well to smitten boyfriend. So there, there's a range of emotion there that and and funny. Like he was. Yeah, he was funny. Not trying to be funny, but he was just, especially just dealing with Jimmy. Like, he just has so much contempt for Jimmy. <laughs> Kicking him in the ass to get him on the horse. I know. That was so funny. He, like, actually kicked him. I was, like, <laughs> laughing. <laughs> Does this bring us to the cattle battle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. You call them, like, with the, the pre-show conversation that we had. I thought that was hilarious. So, yeah. We'll call <laughs> like, this, I think is. we should talk about the cattle battle last. It Jesus. is the cattle battle. I, it just tickled me. Well, I have a couple of questions. I think yes. you have a couple of questions. So, the fence line broke or was intentionally tampered with. The cattle went from John's ranch over to the reservation. Is that... Do I got that right? Okay. I agree with that statement. Barbed wire was taken down. Yeah. Because there, there's a mention of it being up there a week ago. So, I guess they the, um, the Dutton ranch hands, they patrol. I yeah, guess the perimeter sure. on a regular basis. It it also shows us that Paradise Valley, the Dutton Ranch, and the Indian Reservation are very close to each other. Right. Are we assuming that someone from the reservation cut the fence? I think it was Monica's brother Robert who okay. cut the fence because he seemed to be I'm not gonna say the mastermind because I have I do have a he seemed about to that. be the angriest. He was definitely angry, and I think <laughs> yeah. that he was the foreman i i'm i'm searching for the word like he was like the the one who was tapped to carry this out okay so like team leader foreman ringleader whatever you want to call him <laughs> like i just don't understand the law like why is there not a law like when my dog gets out it's has a chip in it and they can bring the duck back we just said you've probably branded your cattle and or tagged them so why is it not just like a lost puppy sort of situation like those are my cows get them back like why is it not like documented who owns the so tags, i think right? it is documented because uh we did see lee and john they were searching for a cow and they had the book and yeah they saw the tag. so that's what i'm saying i, I i'm no law expert and uh, on our team, we do have a lawyer, and we, we routinely lament the fact that he's not, like, making, like, more, like, random, like, hey, we need you guest appearances um, yeah, to answer our in. specific questions. But um, there is one point where John is talking to Jamie about what recourse does he have with property on the reservation, and Jamie says, eh, civil. Okay, so it's like, they have no authority to cross into the reservation? After the cattle battle, the aftermath of <laughs> The FBI and the Bureau of Indian Affairs were getting involved. Okay. So there's like two different law enforcement Yeah. So the FBI is involved. for like, so basically the way that I understand it is that Indian reservations are. They're like separate. They're separate entities. So basically, because they're, they're called nations, right? So it's the Broken Rock Reservation Nation. Okay. So I, I get the feeling that it's like embassies. So like embassies are considered to be sovereign land of the okay. country that's 
that owns that embassy. Like if it's the Belgian embassy, it's considered to be sovereign territory. So I believe that it's the same deal with the Native American reservations that this way it's. So they can't just go get their cows. They can't just like walk back over there. Yeah. And they're basically, they're not supposed to go onto the land without permission. Basically they have to go through like that checkpoint in the beginning. Yeah, John flying in with a helicopter on board is definitely not the uh, the way that uh, the the Native Americans would want somebody coming onto their their reservation. I would I would imagine. Okay, so they're not going to give the cows back. Nope, they're his cows. Yep. Casey's like riding the fence on this one. He's like helping his dad and helping the brother. I get the feeling that Casey didn't know. And I believe it's legitimate that he didn't know that the cattle that they were stealing or rounding up, I don't know if stealing is the right word. It seems like Casey didn't know that the cattle that were involved in this operation were his dad's because he says to his dad, like, I didn't know. And, and I, I felt that that was real. Rainwater then comes to like size up John through Casey. Through Casey. Yeah. And to me, that felt like. He's like, what are we dealing with here? Yeah, but I felt like for Casey, like, that was like a big decision. Whose side am I going to come down on? Yeah. Again, with the way we talked about, like, this walking the line between, is he a Dutton? Is he a white man? Is he part of the reservation? Um, so I I felt like that was, like, that was and hard And Monica's um, grandfather called him out on that, too. It was like, you have to basically pick a side. Like, you're not going to win with either one of us. Like, you're not going to be seen. As, as like one of loyal us. To, yeah, as loyal to us. And he told him to leave. Like, yeah. he to leave. And, like, I was trying to read the emotion on Casey's face when Felix said that to him. I don't know. To me, it was, like, a mixture of, like, hurt. Like, he felt yeah, betrayed. Yeah, hurt. Like, how dare you? Like, almost, like, not not that he was trying to be disrespectful, but, it was like, the way that he was carrying himself was just, like, like, I've done so much to, like, become part of this group of people. I moved here. I live here. I raised my son here. Yeah. Or raising him in the tradition. Like, and then you now you just tell me, like, we're not your people. Go home. Yeah. And you're going to be judged as based on your father's actions. Like, I feel like that was really harsh. I, I mean, if it's true, it's true. I, just, I know I definitely do not want to be judged by how my parents act. Right. <laughs> Especially when they're flying helicopters over Native American <laughs> land. But, like, those two conversations. The conversation with Rainwater about, like, his dad and what's he like. And, and Casey is truthful. He's... He says his dad's reasonable until he's provoked and then he's ruthless. And that's not somebody I think I'd be wanting to go up against. But again, we don't know much about Rainwater other than he orchestrated this cattle theft, I feel. Like, I I 100% feel like he's pulling the puppet strings behind this. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Like, this was his way to... Because he just got introduced as the chief, right? So he needs to make a splash, make a statement, and show what his stance is. Well, and he he was talking about at the beginning about how he wants to get their land back and get their like rights back so or property or whatever i you know he's out like you said he's out to sort of yeah he's just out to start some stuff make his name yeah start making moves right yeah he's ready to do something but then for you know felix then to turn around and say that you know to casey you don't belong here we're not your people i feel bad for casey i do he does seem a little lost Yeah, yeah he feels lost and then so i'm not sure during the battle scene whose side he was actually on that's what I was wondering. Yeah. I'm not sure because he was rounding up the cattle, but. But to go which direction? <laughs> right. So we go. So, yeah. So, so the scene happened at night. So I, I don't know about you, but I thought the way that they shot this was, it was pretty spectacular. 
it was done at night so that you basically have the spotlight of the helicopter that John yeah, like showing you what's going showing on. you what's going on and then you have the reservation police all lined up with you know I'm sure that they got like every vehicle they possibly could and put lights on it yeah because there was a huge show of force from the reservation the way that it was it was brought in was just it was a really well done scene and then you have the the livestock commission the agents on the atvs bringing in the, their gunfire it was just really really well done but you have casey like literally in the middle yeah and i just That's... i couldn't tell yeah you know which way he was going yeah i agree I, I wrote down like what is i don't i didn't understand what casey was doing like which side he was trying to direct the cattle and maybe that was his statement like that maybe that was his way of saying like i'm just gonna do this for me so this way i'm judged for me and like lee is raising the sights on his rifle and pointing it at Casey and he realizes that that's his brother. So it's like he kind of seemed to be on the wrong side of both sides. So when John realized with the spotlight he could see that it was Casey, he just like lets out this sigh and just puts his head down. He's just like, oh God, like boy, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. That was son is basically in harm's way. Like 100% because you have the reservation police and they're shooting and you have the livestock guys and they're shooting and Casey's in the middle. I like to think that he was trying to do right by his dad but then i don't know maybe he's trying to do right by his adopted people that kind of leads me to monica's brother because he's he, like we just said he seems so angry he's the one who fired the first shot he like sort of starts all this shit he shoots lee shoots lee yep knocks him right off his horse and lee is not moving he's alive but he's not moving but here's where i kind of start to struggle with it is casey Sort of first defending himself and his brother, like, okay, shots fired, he's down. But then he, like, goes up to him and, like, executes him. Yeah. Like, why? If if you're trying to, like, win on both sides, like, okay, you got the brother to, like, stand down because he's literally on the ground. You injured him. But, like, get him help, save his life. Like, why? I mean, he, like, executed him. Like, that was seen. That crossed the line for me. Like, that's not... So it was twofold, right? So Casey shot him and Robert went down. Yeah. It seemed more like self-defense. Right. So that that was the reaction, right? You shot my brother and then I'm going to just neutralize the threat, right? Yeah. But then he walks over and he says, just want you to know there's no heaven and point blank shoots him in the head. Like that's the execution style. Like I said before that I like to think that he's coming down on the side of his dad with this because now like blood is thicker than water. So now Lee is down. He shot Lee, and now he's going to get revenge. But I don't know if he's thinking far enough ahead to see, like, this is my wife's brother. I feel like that's why it bothers me more than, like, if... Okay, well, it just bothers me in general that he, like, executed the guy. Because not for anything. When he shot him, there wasn't just one shot, like, to bring him down. Yeah, he shot him many times. There was multiple, uh, five or six, like, to bring him down, and then the headshot. But for it to be her brother, that's when I'm like, okay, that's even, you've already crossed the line. This is really crossing the line. Because if you're really trying, like, why would you do that to your family? Like, that's your actual family, your wife and your son. So, but now if you rewind back a few scenes, there's Robert and his friend. They're in Casey and Monica's house. Right. And they're asking about the war medals, right? Yes. He, he was, he served in the military too, because he knew what these medals were. Right. There was a little bit of tension in that scene because they were talking about dividing up the cattle and Casey's like, they're not yours to divide up, man. Like, those aren't your cattle. And yeah. that's when they start talking about the Casey's war medals behind them. They talk about the Navy Cross. Casey says, you don't want to have to, you don't want to know what I have to do to get that. 
And so, like, the Navy Cross is, it's, it's the second highest decoration awarded for valor in combat. It's awarded primarily to a member of the U.S. Navy, Marine, or the Coast Guard. So I'm going to go out and say that Casey was Special Forces within probably the Marines. Oh, so yeah, he has to be a yeah. Marine. And I'm going to say that based on how he shot Robert. Yeah. Because of, like, the, the, the boom, 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 and then the the headshot like he and he didn't hesitate like you know that that is like ingrained training but the medal is awarded for extraordinary heroism you can only imagine and the, so like the time is right his age is right that he was probably in the war in iraq or afghanistan because even the um the helicopter pilot says he goes i did 40 tours in <laughs> afghanistan and i'm gonna get shot at in montana yeah <laughs> there is this tension between robert and casey that's yeah. already existed perhaps with Lee in the mix and Lee getting shot by Robert, it it makes Casey take a stand. Yeah, but still not okay. But the, the fallout <laughs> from this is going to be yeah, horrific I mean, because is... it's your wife's brother. You can't do that. Right, and not expect things to be right, fine is... with anybody. So yeah. It's like one of those actions, of like the action in the battle that's like gonna start the war. You didn't have to kill the guy. The war now starts from what Casey did. Yeah, this is big. It just was like the next level. And that leads us to Daybreak. That's the name of the episode. And Casey brings Lee home. It was terrible. How heartbreaking was it so for sad. you when you saw John bring oh. Lee to find his burial spot? That's awful. Awful. I did not like watching that. I feel like that scene was actually more emotional for me than when yes. John actually breaks down in the barn later on after the funeral. Like, he, he's stoic. He holds it together all through the funeral. But then he has his private moment in the barn. The scene with Lee in his lap under the tree yeah, that's... was so much more gut-wrenching than... When I John agree. breaks down later on, because he's just talking to him. He's like brushing his hair. Oh, it was just, if you weren't like hook, line, and sinker emotionally invested in the show, that scene would definitely do it for you. I know. Well, and for Casey too, to have to like, it took him all night to get back to the ranch. That's like a long time. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we don't know how, exactly how far that was, but, you know, he had to get Lee, who was, you know, just draped over the horse. Yeah. So sad. But then, you know, Monica's asking him at the very end, like, help, like, talk to me. And you can tell that this is just consuming Casey. And he's just, it's, it's tearing him apart. And he's got nothing to say. He's not, he's no words to say. He can't even say your brother's dead. I'm sure she knows that her brother's yeah, dead Yeah, she knows point. the brother's dead. Yeah. But I think that's why they like, you, I mean, you're, he's really crying, like yeah. holding back tears. Can't even speak, upset. Then that's why they sort of pan out to show the brand on the chest, I think, because he's like, that's the decision. He's not upset that Robert's dead. He's well, ups he's upset he's... for Monica, but I yeah. think he's upset that Lee is dead. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like but I think he's upset for what he did to, like, Monica. to Monica. Absolutely. But the brand is why he did it. Yeah. Like, that's why they zoomed out on the brand. That's why they zoomed out on the brand. I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry. My brain gets a little punchy this hour of night. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, so that's why I think that Casey did what he did during the battle scene. Like I think the that brand that came back. So through the course of the conversation, I solidified my opinion that he did what he did because he's loyal ultimately to his family. To because, the brand, yeah. Because also the the reservation told him like you're not welcome here. So that's true too. 
they did tell him like you don't if you're not welcome here and i already have a family that will protect me no matter what because i have this brand and because of who i am and who they are then you know that that choice seems pretty pretty obvious yeah just through his actions so in looking at through the lens of how he acted through this entire episode yeah that makes sense that the the brand is is where his loyalty lies I agree. It still is to Monica no matter what, but he's got this this tear between her and the brand. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see. We just talked about how this action from Casey is like the the thing that's going to start the war Mm -hmm. in the battle. I think that's what John, like I like how we wrap that up with John too, like coming to talk to Jamie and Beth and telling them like, okay, like I need you. Are you here for me? Time to fight everyone. I need you to stay and fight, right? It's like... We wrapped up this episode with sort of like a call to war, I guess. Like, this is now, like, escalated to a point that's, like, no return, I think. There's there's no way you can walk back what's been done. And John, like we said this very early on in this uh, episode, that John has a very resourceful group of kids. Yeah. You know, he's got the smart banker in Beth. He's got, and she's ruthless and she's shrewd and she's, you know, whip smart. And then he's got Jamie, who's got the legal... Angle, he's already in good with the governor. John's already in good with the governor. Yeah. Lee knows the operation, but unfortunately now they have to avenge him. Which, side note, I am so sad because I love that actor. I love Dave Annabelle from Brothers and Sisters. Yes. Loved that show. And I was so like, yay, I love him. He does. Oh, wow. He looks so different. (laughs) But then I was like happy to see him in this show. And then like they took that away from me. It's like, dang it, I like that guy. All so, right. Anyway, so I got up. a question for you. What okay. other show can you think of that in the opening episode kills one of the major characters? I mean, like, as far as like a show that's going to try to grab your attention and say, we're here, we're serious, you need to tune in every single week, and we're going to do that by killing off one of the major characters. We're going to kill off Kevin Costner's son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His oldest son, the heir apparent, and what are you going to do about it? Well, actually killing off someone you meet. Because a lot of shows start off with like a murder or there's a body or, you know, but it's like you didn't, you didn't know who that was. Yeah, yeah. We got invested in Lee already. Yes, exactly. You know, John spent time with him, talking to him about like, you know, how to, to we run We spent it. an entire episode with him. Yeah. Like to run it versus, you know, they burst a cow together for God's sake. Oh gosh. <laughs> that was gross. <laughs> I was like, well, I guess we're on a ranch. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, just in terms of like how they started this episode off, this series off, I, I feel like this was a, a really good way. That There was no slow burn with this. This had you yeah. like gripped from the beginning. And like I, with my husband, we just watched it, like I said, and he was just like, they didn't really just kill his son in the first episode, did they? I was like, oh yeah, they did. Oh, like that's, know. you know, he's, he's not going to wake up in the second episode or anything like that. Like he's, he did. <laughs> Um, He's not coming back. Yeah. The cinematography, the acting, the depth of these characters. Like, you can already tell that this is a serious show. And we, we know now that it's running for three seasons. They're they're signed on for They're filming right now a fourth season. This is definitely, I, I, I guess you would call this like a prestige show. Like, this is, like, you got high name actors in here. Yeah. Uh, Wes Bentley is... You know, we talked about Kevin Costner a ton, but Wes Bentley, he's, you know, we know him from The Hunger Games. Kelly Riley, I know her from Pride and Prejudice from back in the day. Dave Annabelle, like you said. Luke Grimes, I didn't really know him too much. He was in, like, 
Fifty Shades of Grey. He played like the brother or something like that. <laughs> but this is a definitely Gil Birmingham is he's excellent and uh, Danny Houston. Like you have some big big yeah. names, and that's just that's just like the the, the opening credits. Cole Hauser is ripped. Like I know Cole Hauser from um, School Ties. Do you remember that movie back in like it was like Brendan Fraser's like first movie or something like that? Matt Damon's in it. Matt Damon plays the bad guy. I won't say I've never seen that show, but I don't think I've seen that show. Oh uh, yeah, and um, Cole Hauser actually has red hair. They dyed his yeah. hair like this black brown for this show, <laughs> which is awesome. But yeah, so I mean, just the star power, the cinematography is amazing. The writing, I think, is fantastic. So um, I, I think this is an exciting show for anybody to pick up at this point. And it's streaming on Peacock now for yeah. a se- season. So people can definitely dive into the show. And what's great about it, too, is that the seasons themselves are like standalone stories that like you can pick up on season two and like kind of figure out what's gone on. You don't necessarily have to have watched season one to get to season two or season three, but um, I, I think watching it in its whole entirety has such, such value because these characters become so rich later on. Yeah. And this was a really great way to be introduced to them. And It's a great bingeable show, but it's so long, too. Yeah, this was a really long uh, episode. that They go down to an hour. But it's so worth it, and you just get sucked in and... You don't want to stop watching it until you've reached the end and then you want more. God, it's another hour. I can't stay up any longer. <laughs> I know. It's already 3 a.m. Yeah. Um, um, I do have two questions for you. What do okay. we think that Dan is going to do now that his ripper has run dry? Oh, gosh. We forgot all about him at the end with oh, all the yeah. booms. They've moved a river. They moved a damn river. Like, when when he said he's going to move the river, I'm like, no. And then when Rip got involved with the dynamite, I was like, oh, they're going to they're like, move the river. How do you move a river? I just thought it was funny that Dan was there to see it. Yes, I love that he was like looking at the mountains at that moment. Yeah, like, like, of course. <laughs> That's um, so funny. Because there, there's already this like level of hatred between these two. So Yeah, like what can he do? I well, know. I don't feel that he's going to be going through the courts. Let's put it that way. I feel like there's going to be um, just some taking matters into his own hands. And you know, I have. it's been so long since I've watched that I really don't know what happens oh yeah same, episode two. same like i don't know what happens actually next so right like, yeah we, we know where the story arc kind of ends at the end of the season but like it's been a long time it's, since yeah, i've it's watched been two years so like watching it for the first time yeah i caught yeah it's just so much i caught so much more by watching it this way though and then i just got to talk about rip's jacket i'm sorry i don't know if you know like the funeral mm-hmm. scene was gut-wrenching it was hard to watch but then when the procession is walking back from where they buried him Rip's jacket looks like something that he picked up like at his grandfather's like thrift store or something like that. It had like elbow patches. Like oh, Rip funny. is a young man. Like he's I guess he's in his thirties, right? But this oh, jacket he looks old with the beard and Yeah, the but I get the feeling hat, that he's but... not that old. Like I mean I I'd say thirties because that's kind of And like... I don't mean old. I don't mean he looks like John Dunn. But he looks older than maybe his age actually is. Yes. So I get the feeling that these, like John's kid, well, he says that Lee is 38 and he's the oldest. So everybody kind of like goes back in succession. So I feel like Rip is kind of in that maybe 35, yeah. 36, somewhere. He's probably closer to Lee than maybe Casey. I say Casey's maybe 30. But yeah, his jacket, like it looks like it was something out of like, I don't know, like a, like a 60s Western or something like that. <laughs> it had like a... Like velour shoulder embroidery and elbow patches. So I was just like, it's just one of these things. I was just like, wait, what? (laughs) I didn't pick up on that, but I was looking at the other headstones that they like scanned over. Yes. And saw Ned 
and Chance, whoever that is. So Ned and Chance. And Ned's had, like, a date of, like, March 16th, 1863. I couldn't see a date on the other one. Okay, yeah. So, which tells me that the Dutton Ranch goes back several generations. What is that, like, 140 years? How many generations is that? I'm going to let you do the math at this hour of night. <laughs> like seven, because... like seven generations, like 20 years yeah. is a generation, right? So it's like seven generations, six or seven generations. I guess the, yeah. the kids would be the seventh generation. <laughs> Ned. <laughs> oh, Ned. I hope you guys come back next week for episode two. Cannot wait to find out what happens next. We promise we got... that the next episode will be shorter. Yes. And oh we will gosh. probably change the format. We'll not go so chronologically. We'll we'll yeah. keep it more to the characters and, and it'll be a little more succinct. But this one was such a big episode that we felt that we just needed to take some time to kind of dive into everybody. So, And if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe to this podcast and get a notification every time we drop a new episode. If you could also rate and review us at five stars, it would be greatly appreciated and will help other people find the show. And that's it for us this week. So this is Sheila. This is Steph. And we'll catch you next time for Yellowstone. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.